Hello and welcome to the Permaculture Herbalism segment of the Elder Tree Podcast. I am your host, Tanil Christensen from Earth Mama, where I teach people how to thrive and get skilled for sustainability. As an educator, kitchen witch and plant lover, I welcome you to tune in as I interview permaculturalists from around the world. We will learn holistic ways of integrating plants into our homes, gardens and communities for healing. Together, we will explore the art and science of this regenerative design system and harvest the collective wisdom. Permaculture offers a pathway to empower people to develop their lifestyles and landscapes. So let's discover how to grow and know plants with a purpose. Blake Hudson, also known as the Earth Artisan, is a leader in the world of permaculture consulting, design and education. With a passion for utilizing cutting edge technology to conduct site analysis and read landscapes, Blake is able to provide tailored edible garden plans or green prints for clients seeking to grow organic food in their home gardens. From urban blocks to hobby lifestyles or homesteading farms and eco villages, Blake's expertise extends both locally and internationally. In this episode, we discuss his earlier inspirations that led him on his path and the dogma of permaculture, as well as his commitment to accuracy and attention to detail with the use of drone mapping and sun surveyor for data collection. He has spent the past decade perfecting his design process, which has resulted in mentoring his students and personalizing landscape manuals with prescribed plant collections that help people put the right plant in the right place at the right time. Blake is an avid plant enthusiast with the nursery and he grows, harvests and cooks with a diverse array of species from his very own garden of eating. He recently published a comprehensive resource, Tropical Food Plants, and talks about this field guide that he recently wrote. Beyond his fetish for making fertile soil, one of Blake's unique talents lies in his ability to retrofit ornamental gardens with food species, which is becoming a strong desire of many people who want to become more self-sufficient within the space that they already have without having to move onto a farm. He is particularly drawn to perennial plants such as bananas, which offer multifunctional benefits, and comfrey, which he considers to be his super healer for homegrown medicine. In addition to his expertise in permaculture, Blake has a deep understanding of various land practices, including broad acre regenerative farming, biodynamics, syntropic and market gardening, as well as biointensive and nutrient dense gardening. His love for spreading the worms is infectious and his love of practical workshopping in hot composting, food forestry and banana circle management. Blake shares his knowledge generously through workshops and courses in collaboration with me. Beyond his work in permaculture, he is also a talented visual projection artist, lighting up the festival scene with patterns from nature and inspiration from the psychedelic realm. 
In this interview, he invites you to his upcoming events and special festivals, including the Eco Fiesta and Rootbound, and is offering an opportunity to come along to his next workshop with a $100 discount for the special listeners here to the Elder Tree, and has also provided a link to download a free tropical planting guide. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. I'm excited to be able to share this podcast segment with you. We are very close. (laughs) Um, Partners in life, in business in the past, and I have children together, built a house together, and have a beautiful permaculture garden together. Yeah, thanks, Samuel. Thanks for having me. It is a beautiful morning. It's, uh, yeah, the birds are... The rainforest birds in our in our home are singing their songs. All right, well, let's jump into the first question, which is why is permaculture an important aspect of your life? Mainly because it's been with me for a long time. I mean, I first heard about it when I was 16, when I first found, come across Bill Morrison's permaculture designer's manual. And, yeah, just picked this book up and, thought, wow, what a, what a, what's, this is the most interesting thing I've ever seen. Like, just to learn about how things can be integrated, how the house can be so efficient and, and different to what we currently live. Like, one of the most inspiring things that I saw back then was, like, the, the hand basin above the, the toilet. So, basically, you can wash your hands with the water and that helps fill the the toilet basin uh, the the toilet with with water so it was like linking these little things together was one little thing and that's one aspect that really inspired me is just the just the linking of little elements together getting using the chickens for example chickens can be integrated into the into the garden they're good for scratching and producing compost and fertilizing and weeding and yeah, I just permaculture has been a really inspiring thing for me for a long time and yeah, there was a little seed planted in that book as a young man and and I didn't really act on it until I was around around twenty five. So two thousand nine, I did my first permaculture course up here in the Tablelands with Darren Doherty and. Yeah, it was a really inspiring moment for me <clears throat> in that. And I did this course and just devoured everything. I was just like so inspired and learnt so much from it. And at the end of it, I was, at the end of the course, I said, look, you know, there, there's like a question around like, what do you want to do after? And I was like, I want to be a designer. And, and so... I went home and and yeah, I just started making compost. It was one of the biggest things I did, and just learned how to make compost. Was I just loved the process of of transforming this you know innate you know stuff that could doesn't really do too much you know hay and poo and f- food scraps and garden prunings and leaves and things just to to convert that into a really nutrient rich fertilizer. Was a really inspiring activity, and I just did so much of it. 
and that helped me build beautiful gardens and then and then yeah just started practicing gardening like crazy and and then really that was the beginning beginning of my journey to offer that to the community as a permaculture design service you know just by practicing and first on my own garden and you know talking with others and, and joining the permaculture groups and yeah just learning from others and sharing <clears throat> sharing my experience and yeah there's some yeah good, good elders in the community that have been helpful and yeah i've just been yeah it's been you know almost it's you know been over over 10 years now of, of, of practicing permaculture and and the ethics and principles are, are really good guiding force and I find that the 12 principles are somewhat of a, yeah, and if I, if I would have a religion, it would be, it would have to be it, but, you know, it's a bit of a dogma. It's, it's something that inspires, inspires in the guiding force that I, I use to interact with different things in my, in my life. In, in all aspects, from business to to the garden and to the to the greater community, can be very helpful. Mm, it's a very sensical philosophy. Mm. Yeah, so that was the point where I met you when you were the the crazy guy making all the compost and mm. growing pumpkins on your big cement driveway with bathtubs full of food growing and just you know talking so much about this amazing way to grow food and the way to to live life and it's so much more than just growing food though Mm -hmm. and I think until you're ready and you deep dive into permaculture even just doing a two-day intro um, you kind of see it as just growing food and maybe like a way to design things but yeah it's so much deeper and I can see how you can totally get the bug and stepping out of a, a PDC mm. or permaculture design course that intensive mm. is life-changing it certainly inspired me mm. to go and do it a year later yeah um, after you after you were so um engaged with life and ecology after that Mm. and all the yummy food you produced yeah definitely opened a big world mm. open you know the massive light bulb went off in my head and yeah. things just started really clicking and it's just like oh, a very fascinating journey it was yeah, always inspired and always learning even to this day it's like <laughs> yeah there's so much more information coming up and different researches and projects and and technology it's advancing too like you know, when I was first starting out, you know, yeah. and drones weren't weren't a thing then. You know, and we, you know, I'd spend so much time making these base maps by hand and stepping things out with measuring tapes and mm. and then drawing things on paper. And I think that's the aspect that I've really taken on is that technology side of things and just played, you know, with with what's current in that aspect and yeah so with drones it's like yeah, now i can uh, quickly take a photograph of 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 a backyard and and get that onto my ipad and have that 
to scale and start measuring things within a matter of minutes mm. and that just saves so much time and being able to um, accurately measure and provide information to, uh, to my clients in that space and just to be able to share and mainly go through the permaculture design process and looking looking at the at the zones and placement of most of, of, of the elements in the most efficient way possible and and you know look at the energy flows inside and analyze the sun, the wind, the airflow, you know, and and water flow and you know that side analysis, all that that whole first part of the design process and permaculture just happens so much quicker with some you know efficient technology mm. that just enables that process to happen quickly and you know get get through that the right plant in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so like sun surveyor which we teach students about in our classes <clears throat> yeah there's a great app and i was actually doing a consult yesterday and i was with this architect and I brought my this app out called Sun Surveyor and started like looking at like the different aspects of the where the sun is in, in winter solstice, summer solstice, and just this live view. and And she was like, "Wow, that's a such a great app! I had no idea it existed." <laughs> and I was like, okay. "Yeah, handy for her work." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh, you know, being able to sort of stay current with what's available can really is." Uh, enhance and, and speed up the process and just have you know i think i have a real desire for really accurate data like really clear current accurate information and that can just provide a better result in the end mm. and so yeah there's other apps that are used to 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 track uh for like live tracking so if there's like on a big farm i do do some broad acre stuff as well and if we're you know in the back of the truck and we're cruising up these these wild bush tracks and i can record the track you know and, and record where where we go that's sort of off off the beaten track and bring that that information in into into the computer and then see where we went and along that that journey be taking photos that are that are geolocated and place that onto the map as well just to just to have those really accurate site analysis tools is yeah is really really helpful and yeah just records good data that you know helps the process along Mm. yeah so in terms of the contour lines and managing water on larger properties as well when you do your broad acre or small hobby farms, mm. especially in the tablelands or anywhere where there's you know hills and um, water coming. Mm. Yeah, that's another aspect about the drone technology stuff mm. is that you know when I first started, you know it was so difficult to get one meter contour lines and just any, any sort of contour line that was less than ten meters was almost impossible. It was like this far off government service that costs lots of money and yeah now it's like uh, there's there's government services that are that provide basically free contour information that i've still got to work um sort of work and convert them into something usable but there's some great resources now that are free and get most of you know most of the populated areas in in queensland uh, one meter contour lines which is 
such a game changer to get nice, accurate, fine you know, contour data to analyze these hillsides to you know, see where see where the valleys, ridges, and in, in, in hills are. You know, to when it comes to when it comes to doing any earthworks. You know, looking the best best possible locations for dams, swales. You know, just slowing water. You know, the earthworks, water management. You know, as yeah, you know, as I said before, like the, to get have this information quickly available, so we can make make accurate, educated decisions quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's this that's the skill. Oh, that's the the benefit of the time we have this this time of of our lives. And you know, in twenty twenty three, you know, it's this great technology at the moment. And yeah, and, and it's also with the drones as well. So there's a so there's a free data off online. And if I can't, if that's not available, then I use the drone to then map map the property. So take you know up to hundreds of almost a thousand photos, sometimes on large broad acre properties, and and then stitch that together in a big in in a big. Uh, it's called a, a photo mosaic, and that then can be converted into a contour data. So. We can have up-to-date topographic information in, in, in photograph as an author mosaic, as well as the contour lines overlaid on that. And then also with our property boundaries. And yeah, so you can really you know, have nice up-to-date contour information for, for that easy to go site planning and, and analysis that, you know, that was just unheard of a long time ago. and mm. I'm yeah. glad you know what you're doing. <laughs> and I think the, you know, your merging of worlds of pre-PDC where you have a, a diploma in media arts and visual yes. arts. Multimedia. Multimedia. So you've got that technology base, you're already an artist, and then your capacity to take what we are trained in from the design perspective and understanding how to read landscapes, why that's important, and then once we've read it, how to actually um, harmonise and regenerate a landscape and meet the needs of the people and the land uh, in terms of creating self-sufficiency. I've never met or seen a designer, I mean, apart from our teachers, but I think you've really been able to take it to the next level. And, you know, I personally have learned so much from you. I would still be in the watercolour <laughs> stepping it out phase, which is a beautiful way to learn and for, you know, for the person who's wanting to gain these skills of understanding permaculture design and apply it to their own properties without becoming professional designers, um, that's definitely you know, a, a really beautiful way to slow down and to to read the land and do things from a DIY perspective. But mm. um, your level of fine-tuning and, you know, the production of your personalised design reports for clients I think is, is a really valuable um, handover for people to just then take that and start implementing and, and have... Mm have a, I guess, so we talk about an architecture, so it's as from a landscape design perspective, it's like a, a green print instead of a blue print, mm. a green print, print mm. of 
you know, we're yeah. not using bricks and mortar, but using soil and plants. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, she said to me, I was like, yeah, so, yeah, I do provide the, the, those detailed planting plans. So, well, you know, after we get through all that, all that analysis of the land, we, you know, then go through and I guess it's the prescribe, you know, the, the most perfect plant collection based on what the client needs and you know what the most what they're most interested in growing what they love to eat and then mm. then I look at you know at, at the climate and in the, the area and, and and do this detailed planting plans and DIY estimation so they can you know, easily implement the garden themselves or you know I can guide along the way as well and mm -hmm. help with that installation and yeah I mean permaculture is yeah, to me for me it's a tool of technology but it's it's a lot about land and land and nature stewardship so, so the plants are is, is very important to me and you know i'm a massive plant collector and love the herbology side of things as well it's you know it's it's really really important to me and, and the health of that mm. yeah yeah <laughs> and you've built this home for us uh, yeah you want to talk about that a little bit now <clears throat> your garden here yeah, so where we're currently living is, you know, we've been here for about six, seven years now, and yeah, it's, it's my family home, and we we brought a brought a house here, and yeah, it's been slowly evolving, and you know, my family's been here for over twenty years, and yeah, it's it's a big, big, beautiful garden, and we've been slowly like I guess retrofitting it, and that's one of the important things about you know. About, Becoming into a garden is that you most likely most times in my in my cases that I'm that I'm doing like retrofit designs and I'm changing the landscape um, to to suit the new people that are there and in in a way that's that's harmonic and works with the current existing features and so I'm doing a lot of that here. There's no real straight lines. There's no sort of you know I'm trying to organize space as much as I can, but because the topography here is so irregular there's you know little there's, there's so many curves in this space so there's so much edge going on so yeah really looking at you know, filling up all this all the neat all the nooks and crannies with lots of different herbs and ground colors and there's already lots of existing fruit trees so we're filling up those those layers of of the food forest with different vines and bushes and you know smaller fruit trees and you know well we're, we're trying to you know grow as many annual vegetables as we can keep that annual rotation happening a bit as well and with a big collection of perennials all the different herbs and spices and uh, um, different root crops whether they're, they're perennial or annual and they're growing as much food and medicine as we can mm -hmm. mm. yeah so you sort of just answered the question too which is how do you integrate plants specifically from a herbalism perspective into your home garden and community mm. That was a really beautiful way of just, yes, of how that's embedded into our home garden. Yeah, well, like because uh, for over 13 years like I've been collecting as many different plants as I possibly can. Mm. So I've got a, you know, like a bit of a botanical library here of all the different perennials. Really, that's one of the most important things that I like to grow so in so in, in permaculture we're taught like about the perennials mm. and perennials are the plants that don't die so they're they grow all year round and they mostly thrive through summer mm. and i and what i do is that yeah i've got a, i've got a nursery so i'm going to 
do the plants for people or also provide as many plants as I can that suit that design. So I've got a nursery and I propagate all the perennials in there and and also I take those plants to the to the coal markets every the first Saturday of each month. Mm. Go there and have a little plant stall and that's it's a great way to connect with the community. Mm. So sell a few plants and really it's a nice day just to have a big catch up and talk plants. People come and talk about their garden and talk about you know, you know, how to maintain them and, and and harvest and yeah we just have a big big chat about the yeah the best way we can we can grow them and you know sell a few plants as well and it's it's a great little great catch-up so it's a good way to interact with the community that way yeah i've got a you know i've just just released a new new ebook about it's called the called tropical food plants and yeah it's like showcases 121 of my favorite plants or things that grow really well in the tropics and yeah, I'm excited to share with share that with the community as well. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you have a favorite plant that you could recommend as a must-have to include in a garden? And if so, why? I guess you've done so many designs for people in this, I guess, North Queensland region and internationally. So is there a specific plant that kind of always finds its way into people's properties that's and why would that be? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 somewhat a difficult question about like what's mm-hmm. what plant goes in the in the most. But I do know that the banana is probably the most important plant we have in the tropics. Not only does it produce heaps of food. I mean, the banana is is a fruit and a vegetable. Mm. You know, you can eat it fresh or cook it green, but it's like a really good pioneer so if you're looking at establishing a food forest or in some tropics it's a, a big part of of establishment so it's a, a column of water and grows really fast and you know if, with enough bananas you can you can sacrifice a lot and that helps build soil so uh, the worms absolutely love it, so the worms break it down once the trunk's cut down. I f- you know, I find actually yeah, com- my composting worms make their way up into the in- into the, the the bunches, sort of eating the the rotting, eating the the debris of any part of the of the banana that's that's dying. You know, mm. so that so yeah, worms absolutely love the banana trunk, and they break it down and so yeah it's one of the most important plants that i like to grow as much of and there's so many different varieties as well there's you know i got the the red dacker and the blue java and dwarf cavendish different types of plantains and yeah i mean that's just the this that's just the beginning you know and i recommend well for for urban backyards the the, the dwarf cavendish and that's just a small uh, a highly produced, highly productive banana that produces a massive big, big bunch, and yeah, it's easy to manage, easy to maintain. You don't need to. I get a ladder to to bag it. So mm-hmm. yeah, and and also the the bark of the banana is a uh, antiseptic. So if you in the garden, you cut yourself, you can quickly just grab some of the banana um, trunk. So that so the fiber of the banana trunk can be ripped, and that can be used to wrap up a, a wound 
and look at the the fibers also can be can be made into rope and string as well so mm. definitely multifunctional so there's you know, food fiber mm. and medicine all in one place yeah and leads for plates we use quite and, often yeah, too yeah yeah and yeah building maybe for, for quick little huts yeah. yeah the kids definitely love it yeah. for their yeah, for shacks yeah mm. oh well thanks for sharing that do you have an example of where you've utilized plants to improve your health and if so what was that experience mm. well one of the most medicinal plants that that grows really well is the comfrey plant and I find comfrey to be, yeah, I've got a bit of a history with it. Like I think before, even before my, my permaculture journey, I was at a friend's house and I had a sore throat and my, my friend's mum was like, oh, yeah, chew on this this bit of comfrey leaf. And I, and I chewed this comfrey leaf and and it actually soothed, soothed my sore throat. And, and then, you know, as time progressed, started growing in my garden, knowing you had this little memory of it being medicinal, but then learning more about it, it's like it's also other name is bone knit, and is you know it's ancient folklore about it using used used to used internally to help stitch bones together. But like my personal experience was just with with bruising, so I'd mix some of the the root up with some aloe vera even some leaf as well that gives a bit of fiber and just with the mortal and pestilence make a poultice with, with the comfrey fresh comfrey and uh, use that to 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 cover the the bruise or even 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 a wound so it's a super healer i forget the actual there's a particular chemical in there that's uh, it's not it's quite rare and it's, it has a super healing property so so if, you know I've used it for, for for wounds and for bruising, and it just like the, I've had the experience of it just like healing the bruise within twenty four hours. Like it, it doesn't. Not nothing else heals things like this, like the comfrey plant, from my experience. It just comes with a bit of warning. So I've got I know I I I've got may have, maybe have sensitive skin. Um, but basically what I did once was just use fresh, like pure comfrey root and leaf and made a poultice and then put that on my, on one of my bruises and it actually left it on there for, for, for 12 hours and it gave me a big rash. So <laughs> it can definitely be over. I think it has a, it has a potential of, of just being quite strong. So it's something you need to you know, take take precaution on not using too much of and that's especially within with in, internals you know using it internally is is apparently not well it's it's not you can't le- legally sell a a comfrey product in australia to be uh, to be taken internally and that's because there's been there's been some testing on it <clears throat> and you know it can cause issues apparently but I, I have used it internally. You know, when I, when I have had a, had a sore back, did some damage, just slipped a disc, slight damage on my back at some point, and I was taking it, you know, internally, just a little bit of root each day for for a few weeks. And was that as a tea, or were you chewing it? Oh, as a tea, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just just a few 
few slices of the root in, in some tea. Yeah, just to take internally because, you know, I had with the folklore around it being a bone knit and they used it internally. So mm. I figured, you know, it can't be, can't be too bad if I just, just use it with precaution and not too much of and knowing, you know, what, what it's like on skin in, in large amounts. So, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a great multifunctional plant. So the leaves are great in compost as well. You know, it adds to my fetish of making a fertile soil. <laughs> yeah, a few, a few good leaves and compost help activate it. And mm-hmm. that's because of all the, all the minerals that are in it. So it's like this mineral accumulator. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a permaculture plant, we call these mineral accumulators. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it has these deep roots that go down and mine, mine all the minerals that are in the soil that aren't active to the to other plants so it mines these minerals and provides them the leaf to then be bioactive to to the rest of the soil and the other plants so yeah so you can put those minerals in in compost and become an activator that's um <clears throat> one of my favorite plants too and so you, but you figured out to put aloe vera gel with the root and the leaf mm-hmm. hay and that reduces any rash or skin inflammation yeah, that's right. So it just, yeah. just stretches it out so it's not so concentrated mm. as a poultice. Yeah. yeah. And as an aloe vera also helps absorb. So aloe vera is one of the most absorbing plants on the skin. So it mm. re- rehydrates and, and soothes. And it's, as aloe vera is also very medicinal externally and internally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they look, they look kind of similar, you know, like aloe vera has that sort of small clumping, similar leaf structure, but not, not so floppy, I guess. Mm-hmm. way to describe it yeah mm. but as a yeah mm. sort of herbaceous plant yeah aloe you know has that, that cactus like succulent yeah mm. so yeah it's like so the comfrey can grow in the tropics and also all, all the way down in this in the temperate as well so it has these so or maybe it's just subtropics i'm not sure about too far down south but it does can yeah uh, in, up in North Queensland, it doesn't have as a big weed potential as it does there in the subtropics. I know mm. Bill Molson talked a lot about comfrey, and he was a big spruker of it, and you know it's all through the books. And, and I have heard it just becoming a weed potential down in, in cooler areas because just because of it, must prefer the cool a bit more. Whereas mm. up in the tropics, up here in the hot, hot, wet tropics, it does tend to die back. It doesn't like heat so much. Which is probably a good thing, which means it's a bit more delicate and doesn't doesn't um, spread like crazy like other other places do. So and it doesn't become a weed. Yeah, I've mm. certainly seen in New Zealand where people are put into a vegetable garden. It's a bit like mint here. Where mm. <laughs> if you make the mistake of putting mint into your vegetable garden, you can never get it out again. They say that about comfrey and cooler climates. Mm. Oh, and sometimes we put it in a chickpea or besan flour batter, and oh, absolutely, yeah, it's like a, it. yeah, it's like a great. It's actually uh, like like a like a deep fried country leaf, so like a, a battered into a batter and then fried. Mm. Yeah, it's like like a vegan fish. Mm. I reckon it's like with a bit of salt and pepper. It has this sort of meaty flavor, so it's a yeah. great way to eat it internally and getting all those extra minerals and. And a nice health health kick. Yeah, mm. you definitely feel the zing and vitality, mm. and the cooking kind of takes away all those little spiky bits on yeah. the leaves. It's very hard to eat raw. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very spiky and kind of like, yeah, it's not exactly the most edible 
palatable thing to be raw, but certainly, certainly not a natural leaf toilet paper. <laughs> no, no rubber plants better for that. <laughs> oh, cool! Thanks for sharing, Blake. So, well, final question is: What is alive and thriving in your life right now? Yeah, I've just as I said, I just released a new ebook, mm-hmm. soon to be published as mm-hmm. a as a printed copy. Is the is my uh, tropical food plants? Mm-hmm. So a handbook to tropical edibles so it's 121 plants but i've broken it up into plant profiles so there's each plant has a profile um when it's when it's what time of year it's fruiting how big it is what different shade tolerance it has and in a list of like uh, hot tips that i've that I've collected over the years. So whether it's how to prepare the fruit, how good the fruit is, what the most medicinal properties of it are, how to plant it, how to maintain it, um, and also uh, how long it takes the fruit. Mm-hmm. So I kind of see this guide as like a as a design tool. So it's something that I would have loved to have mm-hmm. when I first started my permaculture journey. So. Yeah, what I started doing when I started up here is like started making plant lists. Mm. And so this is like the ultimate plant list. Mm-hmm. And having all the profiles, in, you know, on each page is maybe like six or seven profiles in each page and it's, there's about 30 or so pages. So, yeah, there's hundred over 100 plants. And so there's all, there's the fruit trees and it's also all the, the perennials as well. And lots some information about about food forests and also bananas and, and there's a particular <laughs> feature on bananas and how to how to build a banana circle and yeah, which is yeah leads me into the other thing that's love and thriving is our intro to permaculture course coming up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Tanil and I do this amazing one week oh, sorry one weekend mm-hmm. permaculture two yeah, yeah two day introduction to permaculture and. You, I go through my design process. So you learn about all the, all the different apps and technology that I use for 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 designing, and we go through our garden and look at all the different perennials and herbs and fruit trees. And, and this time of year, our annual veggie gardens are pumping. So, well, you know, soon to be that we just put some seeds in, but the rain's kicking in. So mm-hmm. hopefully, they don't get too wet. And yeah, so love and thriving is yeah our garden. You know, always this time of year, we're you know, ramping up the annuals, getting back into you know, having nice salad greens again. Mm. And yeah, amazing. High pink tomatoes and beans and cucumbers and yeah, harvesting all the sweet potato. And, mm. and you really, people really love the banana management, banana circle uh, session. The hot composting. Yeah, that's right. They've so, got your yeah. worm farms. <laughs> oh, look, yeah, spread the worms, guys. <laughs> got to spread the worms. So the worms are the most important part of of, of the permaculture garden, as far as I, I believe. It's like they help build and create the most perfect fertilizer that 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 is you know can be used as a so the worm castings are great for for a potting mix or or solid fertilizer around each around each 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 plants and it can also be activated with with water and and the air bubbler to create 
an activated liquid fertilizer. And yeah, they, they just convert food waste into, into, into the perfect fertilizer. So, I mean, I, you know, after doing my permaculture journey and like composting like crazy, like I've come down now, like I do now, now I'm like worm farming like crazy. I've, I've learned that, that our composting is great. And we, we learn how to make a big, big bulk compost. And it's a great way to start. And then having a worm farm as well with the, with the compost and as a way to like either like finish your compost off really well. So it makes, so, so you're producing like completely broken down, activated um, humus, which is what the, the black stuff mm-hmm. on the top soil is. That, that's just a big collection of, of microbes that are full of microbes and, and minerals and, and organic matter. So adding organic matter is really important to our soils. To that, that's what houses all the all the life and feeds our plants. So, and Helps yeah. them thrive too. Mm. And then yeah, also like like you know intro course. You know we do some great practicals like working with bananas, building banana circles, going through our, our market garden. You know like um, learning how to remineralize, understanding a bit about soil and super important. Turning that over, you, the the different tools we use to, to prepare beds and, mm. and plant out and mulch and planting yeah. with the moon. Mm. All those all those fundamental gardening tips that are just you know great way to start and and get your garden beautiful and thriving and abundant and mm. and healthy. Well, should we offer something really awesome to the elder tree listeners? to come along to our next course it's may 6th and 7th so it's pretty close it's a couple two weekends or so away yeah should we do something crazy like offer a hundred dollar discount i reckon they deserve it all right cool i'll put it in the show notes so if people want to come and join us they can do that with a hundred dollar discount it'd be great to have a listeners come to our intro to share that and yeah yeah see what we've got growing in our place and yeah i'm sure they'll be inspired awesome so did you want to add anything else in terms of alive and thriving because permaculture is a huge part of your life but you're also a visual artist so you got anything to talk to on that in terms of your um event season coming up yeah like i you know i've also got a got a hobby and well you know it's a bit of a profession in, in uh, projection mapping for, for festivals so I have my my uh, my hyper creative side where I, where I do yeah, projection visuals for different festivals so some great ones coming up there's a, a rootbound festival it's a, it's a really good mm. really good time it's so great for families and, and there's uh, tree planting and heaps of different workshops around um, eco conscious topics and and um, health and yeah and really good music lineup and and then it's yeah nick's festival and which is yeah like a amazing winter solstice really next level lights and sound and music and then we've got the crown of roots coming up it's a mm-hmm. nice reggae festival mm. hopefully we've got r and i again this year that'd be amazing to to go to the, the psychedelic realms yeah <laughs> And are you doing the Eco Fiesta? Can people come and see you this year Absolutely. at the Cairns Eco Fiesta? Yeah, come to the Eco Fiesta. That'd be great. I've got a, got a stall there. I've got a 
have my printed copies of my my, my, my tropical food plants book there. Awesome. Yeah, you can catch up with me and have a chat about your garden. Yeah, offering offering my my permaculture design services there. Yeah, to showcase what I'm up to and yeah, eco fiesta. Yeah, that's a good one. And and you'll be there too as well, Tania, with seed seed balls. Yes, Samantha and I for Nature Kids will be doing seed balls, so you can meet us in different locations. Mm. It'll be a very fun annual event that we love to do. Mm. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio. We've done amazing times. So before we close off today, Blake, is there anything else that you would like to add or to share? Oh, just, yeah, it's really, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. It's great to be able to share this information with, with you and with everyone that's listening and yeah, just to get, you know, it's good to be able to sort of flesh out what goes on in my head and all the different mm. things that I, that I get up to and I'm passionate about, about technology and the garden and merging those two things together to, to just to make, to, to keep us healthy and, and have a, have a beautiful home and a beautiful life together. And yeah, so yeah, if you need to learn about, any more about my website's um, ediblegardenplan.com. It's a nice one that I put together. And, yeah, it's a new new addition to a new chapter in my life and sharing all the good stuff. So I've got a blog there and and um, you can get my ebook from there as well. But when, when it's printed, we can we can also order it from there too. And Great. Well, thank you for being the, the earth artisan and bringing mm-hmm. your skills to our community and helping people with consultations and designing their dream properties to live this Mm. self-sufficient lifestyle and, you know, support resilience within our communities here as far as food security and homegrown health and well-being. Yeah. It's awesome. So thank you and uh, goodbye. Thanks. The Elder Tree is a not-for-profit organisation that is in the beginning stages of creating a grassroots herbal education centre and healing sanctuary in the Atherton Tablelands of Arnold, Queensland. To find out more, go to theeldertree.org and follow the journey on Instagram and Facebook. You can also donate to The Elder Tree via our podcast channel on Anchor or via the website. If you liked the episode, we'd love you to subscribe. And if you know who we should interview next, drop us a line. See you next month. And in the meantime, may you grow them to know them and be blessed with good health and many plants.